0: Welcome back to Africa Knows. Today, we're back at Bayero University Kano in northern Nigeria, where Gaddafi talks to Professor Rabia Seliou Said, a celebrated researcher in atmospheric and space weather physics, particle physics, and electronics. The conversation covers a bit of a research interest and more generally what it means to be a natural scientist, a physicist, in northern Nigeria today. So we are introduced to everything from her talented colleagues and students to the daily power outages that they all face and the implications that this has, and the need that she has felt to combine science with the role of activist and community leader. And we even get some advice on how to be a good parent. So here is Professor Saeed.
1: My name is Rabia Salu Saeed. I'm actually a professor of physics uh, at Bayero University in Kano, Nigeria. Um, I started my journey, I think, uh, if it's in academia, at a time when I decided to return to the university. Okay. Uh, yes, when I decided to return to the university in 1990. I actually finished my secondary school in 1981. Uh, but then I got married and had my children, and eventually I decided that I wanted a degree. And so I returned to the university to do a remedial program at Bayrou University in nineteen ninety eight to 1991. And then thereafter, I uh, uh, actually um, started the degree program. Even though I wanted to, my, my, that's what my father actually wanted for me to read medicine. But then I, I could not do that. And then I opted to read uh, the single honours physics um, I think uh, mainly that would be what I would say would be the start of the journey. But an interesting aspect which I always try to return to and which I always mention in my interviews is the fact that it's something that I call the audacity of a dream, borrowing from uh, former president of the U.S., Obama. I, I remember that when I came into the uh, campus, the old campus of the Bayreuth University, I looked around and uh, I said I really would want to come and teach or work in this university because I just fell in love with the environment at that time. And uh, I remember telling a friend, uh, some friends this, and they actually laughed at me that I had not even started the degree program. And I uh, I, I was just about starting the remedial program, which is just like one leg or half a leg into the university, and I was thinking of coming to work in the university. So every time I remember that, I just wondered that, okay, one can ha- actually have a dream, and that dream can come true. Exactly, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm.
0: exactly. Okay. Uh, how was the recruitment f- process then?
1: Yes, this is hard. This is one thing that I always want to come back to over and over again, because every time, uh, even my children, uh, I have a, a daughter who graduated with a, a first class in education geography, and then uh, a, a son who did uh, applied biology also in this university. And I, they, they think that I can influence them being, uh, being recruited, and it, it just couldn't happen, because I, I think uh, recruitment has actually changed from that time. Uh, there was no lobbying. Uh, I just recalled that uh, my colleague uh, who is uh, uh, also a professor in the department professor FS Koki called me and he said she said that we have been asked to put in an application as graduate assistant being the only two uh, female from the north that graduated in that year and that was a year that the physics department wanted to have female staff at that time there was there was never a female staff in the physics department that was 1999 and if we recall that the university became a, a full-fledged university in 1977, that would be 20 years without a single female in the department. So we, when she called me, she said there was a the form. Usually there is a form, an application form, there. I think it's an establishment or registry or something at that time. So we went and we collected the form. We filled the form as, a, a, as a required, and then we submitted and then when we submitted our form, uh, that was 1997, because we uh, our result finally came. Uh, we finished in December 1995, but uh, the Senate did not sit, and our result did not come out until February 96. So, well, so when we got our results, so then we applied. So 1997 was that application, uh, because people went for. NYSE. exactly. Uh-huh. So they finished in '97, and there was a call for application. I had an exemption because I, I was already over uh, the age uh, for to, to serve, so I got an exemption certificate. So um, when we filled the form, we just submitted through the head of the department. Uh, Professor Igo e. Musa was the head of the department at that time. He's still in, he still in the department, mm-hmm. so he, he, so we so i submitted our form um, and then. No, no, that, at that time it was Professor ndefru who was the head of the department, yes, yes. And we submitted our form, we were supposed to be called for interview, and then there was nothing. We didn't hear anything. We waited and waited until 1999, when well, Professor, Musaudi the H.O.D. And then we were informed that what happened was uh, the VC at that time, uh, Professor Dambata, uh, stopped recruitment of all graduate assistants. There were no GEs taken in that year. And that was why we were not okay. called. But when profe- uh, late Professor uh, Amusa Abdullahi became uh, vice uh, chancellor, yeah. as I, I, we were informed that he asked uh, that where graduate assistant recruitment, he was going to do recruitment for graduate assistant. And then he was informed that there were some people who put in their application uh, in 1997, and then nothing was done. Yeah. So he said, OK, can they fish out all those applications and call people? At that time, you there was no there there was there were no mobile phones. Yeah. So in order for someone to reach you, you usually have a phone number maybe of a neighbor who <laughs> have <laughs> landline. <and> landline. <laughs> so they will call. That number, mm-hmm. and then they will say they are looking for. Uh, so we, I had a neighbor. I think they will say they are looking for rabies. Then you exactly. will now they will now come. They will say okay. Then call back and maybe in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Then they will rush to come and call you, yeah. and then you will go to the your neighbor's house that that have the phone and you wait for the call to come in. Yeah. And then, so we got the information that we asked, we asked to come for an interview, and then we we came for the interview. We were interviewed and. Uh, Professor uh, FS Cookie and myself were selected as a graduate assistant and uh, we resumed, uh, uh, we accepted and uh, that we will resume on the 15th of September uh, 1999. And that was when, <laughs> with the journey we, we began. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was quite interesting that immediately we were recruited, and, and there was an ASU strike. So we, 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 it was like we, we just we got recruitment, and then in October um, we were not paid because fifteenth of end of September we were not paid, and then by October we were still on strike, but then we got a salary per one month plus half of month of September so for us it was like a bonus we had not even started working and then we got our salaries Mm -hmm. it was that's a really an interesting part of the journey for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your research interest? Uh, my uh, research interests mainly I think I, I just like dilly dallied and I, I think this is the reason why when my professorship uh, uh, later came it came in as a professor of physics because I tend to it seems that I, I had done every aspect of physics. My so undergra- yeah my yes, years my <laughs> undergraduate uh, research was in, in electronics. I did a phase shift uh, design and construction of a phase shift oscillator, and I thought I was going to do continue in electronics, but uh, somehow when I came to do my masters, I ended up doing my masters in particle physics. <laughs> so I did my masters in particle physics, looking at the uh, the, the new particles, uh, the boson, and uh, uh, and uh, and all the different kind of flavors of particles and i had that interest but because my supervisor was professor ndefru who later left so i didn't have guidance in that direction so and then when i started my phd my professor was uh, professor mm kashimbila and uh, his his own field was more of a uh, of a theory theoretical the me theory so i, w- uh, I wanted to do something in atmospheric physics so I somehow combined, uh, yes, I somehow combined my interest in uh, in atmospheric physics. I did a study in dust aerosols, and looking because dust aerosols also scatter, they scatter radiation, and then I wanted to look at how me scattering uh, uh, theory can be used. For the scattering of dust in the atmosphere, so this is how I ended up with my with my research interests, which is which is like diverse exactly. you know, almost touching every every exactly, field of yes. physics. Yeah, very diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Nigerian academia? Um, I I think that Nigeria Nigeria academia is really a good one okay. because we have a lot of brilliant minds. And uh, I, my, my own feeling is that is the lack of resources, the lack of uh, enough funding that is actually bringing down the, uh, the standard of academy in Nigeria. Not that the, uh, the academics or the academia is, is bad, but uh, a situation where You don't have what you need in order to, you have an interest, you have a zeal, but you cannot have the funding or the infrastructure that you need in order to excel. I think it's one of the things that is impeding uh, the performance of the academics in Nigerian academia. And uh, in almost every, in almost every situation, in almost every institution, you will have some bad it's, so some bad examples, but what will be the, the reason for saying something is bad will be if the bad outweighs the good. And for me, I think the, in Nigeria academia, it is not uh, the bad that outweighs the good, but the good ones are there and they outweigh the bad ones. But we get to, uh, the people tend to amplify the bad ones. Yeah, for, I know, I, I wouldn't deny it that there are some bad ones, uh, but the fact that those ones exist does not mean that everything is bad. Yeah, we cannot throw out uh, uh, the baby with the bath, uh, bath water. So I know that we have some very good, uh, what it really needs, and that I think maybe, uh, that's one, one of the things that ASU is actually fighting, to get that funding, to see that infrastructure is in place if you look at it uh, from the point of view by, of bayero university you will see that the extra funding particularly from TEDcom has helped very very greatly in having infrastructure on ground and but i know that the infrastructure is not in terms of research equipment but in terms of buildings in terms of uh, but then you still need buildings maybe make the next Phase that we'll be focusing on is getting research equipment that would be that will actually boost our uh, research and apart from the research equipment there's the fundamental thing which is general to Nigeria okay. electricity supply oh, wow. because even if you have the research equipment if you cannot power them exactly. then it's like it's almost like you don't have Exactly. Them.
0: exactly. Mm. exactly. and from outside yeah. here, mainstream physics. What are the courses yes. or ideas
1: you're passionate about? Yes, I'm actually passionate about a uh, a lot of uh, advocacy for young girls. Oh. Even though I always say I'm a mentor of uh, boys and girls, not just exactly. girls, but because the boys don't they don't don't have this kind of barriers that girls face. So I always advocate for girls to education in general, mm. and then in particular. In the, in the science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine field. Uh, and I think this uh, passion that I have is one of the things that has led me to, uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to train and at the same time acquire knowledge and be an expert in any field that has to do with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Policies, for example, like the nuclear policy for women in STEM, I'm also a part of that. And then, I, yes, and then I am also a part of some gender committee, uh, gen- gender policy committees, uh, whatever it uh, can help in bridging that gap and uh, you know, removing the barriers for women and girls in, uh, to, to acquire higher studies and pursue a career. And I think because of uh, the peculiarities of Northern Nigeria, I've also taken that up as a, so I participate in some organizations like the Arewa Youth Mentorship Program, uh, where we try to encourage uh, uh, our young Northern Nigeria youths, both boys and girls, uh, to acquire skills beyond their degree yeah. soft skills because we've had uh, occasions where we have our young men yeah. go for an interview for a job which they could have uh, they could have been able to be recruited for that job but because they lack some soft skills yeah. so like we, we are trying as much as to groom them For example, if you are going for an interview, you will be well-grown. And then the way you speak, the way you answer the questions and so on, and some other soft skills, learning how to use uh, a computer and some software and so on. These are the kind of things that actually hinder. Because uh, our youth think that, okay, you just have a degree, uh, you have a a degree in social, maybe you have, then you don't go and look at other socializing skills and other soft skills that will help build you up and and build up your visibility. So we are doing that, it's one of the things that I, and, and then also. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm also uh, doing a lot of work, like I said, in nuclear non-proliferation, okay. uh, peaceful uses of nuclear. And it's one of the things that I, I got a grant this year uh, to do some activities uh, like sensitizing, where I choose, in my own case, I choose to sensitize the BUK community okay. but, um, because the fund is targeted for females. So I'll be training some female staff Uh, and and Bayou University so that they will be conversant with the peaceful uses of nuclear. So so those are some of the things that I would say that I do. Uh, they are all linked uh, to my uh, my area of specialization and at the same time broadened out exactly. to include uh, yes, the enviro- environment and uh, humanitarian activities. Exactly. Yes.
0: And we'd like to know more about awards, grants, recommendations okay. yes, you have so earned so
1: yeah, far. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the first one, maybe the first major one I would say was I got the grant. Um, uh, from the Ford uh, Foundation okay. in 2002. That was my first grant to go for a master's degree. Um, I, I, I put, tried to pursue my dream because I have physics, and, and, and sometimes, you know, physics tends to, like, if you say you, you have a degree in physics, okay. people tend to be, uh, like, reserved because uh, traditionally, Yes. Physicists are, are, are seen to be eccentric pe- yeah. people who only speak this big, big, this thing of, of physics yeah. and that people cannot understand. understand yeah. So I tend to have this ba- ba- barrier <laughs> whenever I go into a development work, yeah. and, uh, and, and I say, what, they say, what degree what, What's your field?" And I said, I, I, I'm, "I'm a physicist." Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have a degree that is away from physics mm-hmm. so the Ford foundation grant gave me uh, a chance Thank to you. do a degree in environment and development so I did a master's degree in environment and development. So whenever I'm working in in, in, in in a situation where it's about development or the yeah. environment, and they ask me, what's your field of study? I will put in, I will just leave the physics out and I will exactly. say, I have an MSc in envir- exactly. <laughs> environment and development. Exactly. And then then I can fit in and then people mm. will not feel comfortable to discuss with me. Because when I say physics, they seem to think that I will be belittling them or I will think that I have a higher distance. I <laughs> You that they did they do they so I play down when I'm in, in the development uh, arena so I have a, I got that grant and I went to the University of Reading in the UK uh, between 2002 and 2004 and then I got a master's degree in environment and development. And then, uh, then after that, I kept on doing work, uh, my, my, what I call my, my day job, okay. which is the one I earn my salary. I do my lectures in physics, and mm-hmm. then I go and do the NGO work, which okay. has to do with development, the exactly. environment, advocacy, mm-hmm. and so on. I do all of that. Uh, I, I, and, and then finally, I got also an, another award in 2015, and that is the Elsevier Foundation Award. But that is awarded by the Organization for Women in Science in the Developing World, together with the World Academy of Science that is based in Trieste, Italy, and together with Elsevier Foundation. And uh, I was given that award uh, as one of of the five scientists that year, uh, because the award was for the physical sciences. Uh, Three of us from Nigeria myself from Bairro University and uh, uh, another one from University of Ibadan and another from University of Covenant University Uh, and then uh, another lady from Sudan and then one from Vietnam so five of us and the award was given to us at uh, uh, at the American Association for the Advancement of Science in San Jose California uh, in February 2015. Uh, and I think after that I got some other awards, after coming back in 2015, but coming back to Nigeria, there was a Kano State, uh, there was science and technology, Minist- uh, Ministry of Science and Technology, okay. which I think has been merged now. Exactly. Uh, at that time, Hajia Zainab Audubako was the commissioner okay. then. So yes. we were also selected and given an award for the contribution to science in uh, Kano State. And then I get got some other Nigerian women in physics, uh, some some from the student union government, and then some associations that I I got uh, I got that, and then uh, I think this year, uh, I, I, yeah, then I got a fellowship. I got a fellowship in twenty twenty okay. uh, to go to. Uh, center for non proliferation studies and that is my interest in the nuclear non proliferation field uh, that got me that fellowship to go for uh, 3 months uh, in trieste uh, um, in monterey california and i was there from uh, february it was supposed to be february actually february to june but then corona happened and then we had this clash, lockdown in Nigeria, lockdown in the U.S. Yeah. When it finished, yes. uh, no, before, when we finished, we couldn't come because oh. there was lockdown in the U.S., no yes. travel. Exactly. Then after that, lockdown in, in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And so that took me until the end of September 2020 before I was able to... It, to a, a course of four months became eight months. Exactly. Eight months, and then I, I, I came back. Uh, uh, after that, uh, oh, I got... then. An offshoot of the training that I got in Monterey is what got me this grant from the CRDF Global Civilian Research and Development Foundation. Um, they gave me a grant this year in yes. their uh, best bridging and creating best practices for women in nuclear uh, security policy and non-proliferation. And that is where I will be training some of the female staff in Bay Area University. For them to also have a a basic knowledge and therefore be able to uh, either retrain others or also be able to be campaigners for peaceful uses of nuclear.
0: The debates uh, around decolonizing the academy, Mm. does this mean something to you?
1: Like de-colonizing,
0: decolonizing the academia. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Is it like yeah. privatizing it or not? not that, no. 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 no, no. It, it,
0: it's like uh, separating the academia from the impact of
1: uh, okay. colonialism. Okay. Yes, okay. Exactly. Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah, do we still? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> in I know. I'm it not only s- in the humanities, uh, Yes. But. I think it's not. We don't have it. I think okay. it's more in the humanities because. Okay. For the sciences, if I take physics, okay. uh, there is no nothing, colonialism about Einstein's exactly. theory, for yeah, example. It's a pure science. It's a pure science. Uh, yes. it's, uh, Einstein's theory is the same, <laughs> okay. uh, the way we, we can interpret it okay. here in Nigeria, okay. without uh, and then they, they would interpret it the same, maybe in England. In, yeah, so I don't exactly. know. Uh, and I've actually never, until okay. you asked me this question, oh. I've never actually looked at it yeah, <laughs> to exactly. see if it's really relevant. But... If it really impacts in the humanities, well, I think it's something worthwhile. Okay, okay I think I read. There's this Lagos uh, Studies Association. Okay, I think okay. they have always uh, what of uh, another Facebook page. Oh, okay. Of and I think yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. so I think I I am yeah. I joined that group. Okay. So sometimes I was seeing something like that, Ew. particularly in literature. Yeah, they were talking. Exactly. about yeah, they were exactly. talking about something. Uh, yeah. How they have to <laughs> remove the colonization from. <laughs> What, what what the kind of literature exactly. that is produced? Exactly. So because it's not my field, I was just reading, yeah. and then just <laughs> getting knowledge. Yeah, well, the, 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 yes. But do you see inequalities in the global structure of research and teaching? Yes. Yes. The part of the world. Exactly. And I the think. World. Yes. I think there is uh, because we did we did we um, were nature called us to do a paper on physics in Africa. Okay. And uh, they got uh, different uh, researchers from Africa to talk about. And I remember saying in, in my, own, my own side of the story was to say that re- really there is always this uh, 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 a kind of inequality between the research that we do here, which is hindered by what I first of all told you, lack of research equipment and infrastructure. So we tend to be maybe behind in the advancement of our research, except for those who got the opportunity to go and study outside. Then they study with those professors and then they produce results that are in tandem with what is. But for us who stay back and do our studies in Nigeria, sometimes we finish up the study and by the time we send it out for publication abroad, then we can find uh, we' find that we, we have uh, actually been left behind and then I gave an example that for example I was doing my research on this uh, dust aerosols and I did single scattering what I was looking at was a single scattering and then I had my paper I had my data and everything and then I sent to a paper uh, to a publication a journal outside and the comment they brought in was that is it possible for me to include multiple scattering? or do a paper on multiple scattering because they have gone beyond single scattering into multiple scattering. And at that particular time when it was sent to me, I didn't have the resources to to extend it beyond single scattering, or to do a multiple scattering unless I'm going to go outside Nigeria and to a bench work with another professor and then to do that. And that was why how I couldn't get that published in the international and then I published it in our in, in a local journal, Nigeria. So those kind of things actually would create inequalities. I agree that there are some inequalities in that. And sometimes the only way that you will be able to get your paper published in a reputable international journal would be if you worked with another professor outside. And then his name is included in that paper. And then, the, so it's like you are writing on the back of... <laughs> so for me, maybe if, if the <laughs> yeah. question is about the inequality in that sense, exactly, yeah. I and think there it exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I think. And what is your
0: perception of the state of women
1: in women. Northern Nigeria? In Northern Nigeria, yeah, yeah. In Northern Nigeria, I think the major thing that we would be fighting for, especially if we look at if we're uh, considering trying to bring out more women into decision making and policy making, is to look for equity. Yeah, it's look for equity. And for for me, uh, the way I look at it, I remember I had a a, a, a lot of argument when we were doing the Bayero University. I mean, gender policy. I am of the opinion that was my own opinion okay. was that if the vice chancellor, if the if the vice chancellor is a male, mm-hmm. and especially considering that we have th- three deputy vice Chancellor. Exactly. I was saying that then we should have two fem- de- female deputy vice-chancellors and another male. So that is like two. And then in the extreme case that we cannot, we should have at least one, one. female. Yeah. So, But then, even now, we don't have it like that. We, yeah. we have the vice-chancellor and the deputy vice-chancellors are all male. Exactly. So, uh, uh, in, in a way, we still have a long way to go. And I think some of the some of the ideas for Northern Nigeria is driven by the religious uh, tenets because a woman cannot be an imam, you know, it's, it's a form of leadership. Yeah. They cannot yes, be an imam. Uh, yes, uh, of majority yes majority you know. And I think also, I think also George. I think I don't know. George, yeah, yes, exactly, yes if, if we are going by the religious tenets. Yes. So based on that, sometimes. Uh, it's, we just you just women will just have to be deputies, yeah. <laughs> maybe. But uh, in in non religious settings, uh, I think we are getting it because we have chief justices uh, who are exactly. even in northern Nigeria who are female, mm-hmm. and that is accepted. It's still not being poor, probably because it's a secular uh, state that is we are operating. So that that doesn't come in. Um, um, uh, I, really, I think these are some of the stages. And then also uh, the fact that male, the male is surely the head of the family and therefore their decisions are still the ones that will be taken. Uh, I don't consider it as a bad thing and I don't think that uh, it's something that uh, we, we call an inequality. But it's, in northern Nigeria, women can still be able to achieve what they want to. Uh, with the with the husbands especially if the husbands are in okay. agreement and there's love and compassion between them we have seen uh our female count, uh, counter colleague and counterpart professor fatima batul mukhtar okay. who became the vice chancellor exactly. of uh, federal university in Jersey. and she is married hmm. with her children yeah. and 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 and, and it's, it was an amicable uh, uh, relationship between her and her husband, and she's only wife, and so we have so so many in northern Nigeria. I think gradually, and it has to be the the men who who will give in. Uh, yeah, we will give in. who will be. I know Professor uh, Batul's uh, husband is very supportive. He's always, you know, he's like a, the 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 wind beneath her wing. Always exactly. say. So if we can get men to be like that, I think there would be no quarrel. There will be no fight. It, things will move smoothly. But in the situation where you, where we have that we don't get that understanding, yes. I think that is why uh, some of these. Um, uh, yeah, issues come up, yes, yes, yes. yes. And we, in our advocacy, we have decided that most of the things that we're going to do, okay. you will see even the training that we are going to train only females, then we, we have our resource persons, we have our, uh, our, our project team comprising of male and female mm-hmm. because we know that you cannot just say train exactly. just females yes. if you don't bring the men Men's on board oh, exactly. then there will be there, then there will be problems exactly. so it's a matter of if you ask, yes as you as you are training the females also bring their men along and also train them once they yeah. are on the same page then there will be no <laughs> there, yes. there will be no problem exactly exactly mm-hmm. and uh, what do you think is the ideal way of Raising a girl child. Okay. Um, uh, I think, okay, if I go by what I have done, uh, I have raised my girls. I have t- four boys and two girls. Okay. So that, that idea of saying that the girl will be the one to do all the housework, to do the cooking and so on, that... From the beginning I I, I I said no. You abolished that, you abolished that. <laughs> exactly. So you will find my son Muhammad washing plates in the kitchen. You will find Umar washing plates in the kitchen. Any of them if if it's food, if 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 he comes in, Umar comes in and says, I'm hungry, I say go and cook. Yeah. <laughs> so if that is the kind of policy they so I raised the girls to to, to know that they can do uh, what it's uh, the, the same kind of job that the, the boys can do, and they can also do their own, and then they also the boys can do what the girls can So it's like a the only thing is, you can't behave, if you are a boy, you can't behave like a girl. That is, I mean, in mannerism. Exactly. <laughs> you You too, if you, if you are a girl, you can't behave like a boy yes. because our religion uh, forbids that. Yeah. But just doing the work, yeah. like going to cook, doesn't make you not to be a man. Exactly. And you, it doesn't make you not to be a woman. So that, I think, for me, that's, that should be braising them in a kind of neutral ground so that they can be able to accomplish uh, 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 w- w- whatever is destined for them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, what is your uh, favorite memory in your career? Okay. One you cherish most. Okay. In, uh, as I moved along, yeah. I, uh, I don't. I don't know. Let me see. I still keep saying that <laughs> that that winning that award okay. of Good. the Elsevier Foundation, Good. because it was like the one that opened. Uh, a lot of doors for visibility for me, okay. for people to know me, to contact me, to ask me to be on a, on a panel as a keynote speaker, to be a, a panelist in some discussions, all of that actually started after I won the award in 2015. Yes. This is because when we won the award, I didn't even know about Twitter. I remember we were in, in, in San Jose, yeah, and one of the reporters that was supposed to take all our interviews now, he came, he said, when I finish, I I'll put it on Twitter. And oh. I said, I, I don't know, what's Twitter? <laughs> and then he, <laughs> said, he said, okay, you should create a Twitter handle. A handle so exactly. it was in 2015 that I, I created that, that, that Twitter handle. Okay. And that's, so, so you see, that gave me, and then somebody did a Wikipedia entry. Oh, well, for oh, me, for, for yeah, me. Yeah. So when you Google Baviyas Ali you say it, you exactly. will see it. Ah, the swimming. Swimming. That was when, that was yeah. all, all that came yeah. after winning that award. Exactly. And then there was this NPR radio in the US and uh, they, they, they had an interview which they also posted. So that by 2020, when I went to Monterey, one of mm-hmm. the tra- trainers uh, was searching and then she came up with that article that in the in the N well, the NPR radio, okay. and then she started showing everyone around and was saying that you know we have a great person in our midst, but she has never wow. she has never shown that. And then wow. I, I was saying, please don't say anything. And then she just sent it to all of them. She said, exactly. you know, she was here in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Monterey is also in California, yeah. San Jose. In Cali- so she was here yeah. in 2015 and she was given an award. And you know, look at all the interviews. And then you see, so you see it re- actually. Yeah. Put me in the in the uh, yes in the international arena, yeah. and then uh, people got to know about me. And I think that's why sometimes I always say that that's, that is 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 a great event in my yeah. life. That actually. Yeah. And uh, what is your hope for the future? <sighs> my hope for the future, if Allah keeps me alive, I really would want to. I've been saying this over and over again, that I would want to create. A kind of a, uh, a foundation or a safe haven where girls who have uh, a kind of problems can come and say that okay they are here and they found soccer. You will be able to advise them. You will be able to give them uh, you know uh, 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 counselling. It's it's something that I've been dreaming about, but which I don't know if I do. Ha- I end up having the funding. And, uh, and I'm alive <laughs> yeah. because I'm 58 oh. years old now. <laughs> so I don't know, in two years' time, I'll be 60. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when we go by this, the tenets of the, uh, of the religion, you want to be able to be preparing now for, <laughs> for retirement here yeah. and, then yeah. I, 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 and, and also there. So that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. If Allah keeps me alive, yeah. it's one of the things that I would want to do. Okay, okay. And what is your hobby? Um, I love traveling. Okay. And this is why COVID for me. I've always every time I just say, "Well, like COVID." This COVID yes. has been. Really <laughs> <laughs> I love traveling. Okay. I enjoy traveling. I and I remember even when I was in secondary school, when I had not gone anywhere. Whenever they asked for my, I would say reading and traveling. Mm-hmm. And that time I, I was reading a lot, and I'm still I still do reading now. But I think the reading that I did bef- before. Mm-hmm has lessened now. Okay, yeah. Because, I, 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 awesome. t- yes, I told a lot of people that the reading I was doing was also like substituting for traveling. Because yeah. when I start reading adventurous books, yeah, it's I've like traveled. I have traveled yeah. down a lot of the places that I went to. Mm. When I get there, it's like, ah, it's ha- as if I've been here before. And then I remember that I just read about them in yeah. books and novels and so on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so really, reading, uh, yes, mm. reading traveling, uh, well I don't know, some other things I, which I don't ever get the time to do now. So I don't want to say that's why I don't want to say they are my hobbies. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I do some crocheting and then I also I cook. I look at some well cook books when I have time and then I cook. Because I don't have time now I I tend to like just eat whatever I get I get home who has cooked, even if it's the boys that I've cooked, I just eat. Interesting. <laughs> okay, yes. Exactly. So,
0: Exactly. Thank you very much. Thank you you for listening to this Africa Knows podcast. If you want to know more, visit Africanose.eu and we'll talk to you again soon.